Praise God. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Well, praise God, and I am so pleased that you joined us here for this Genesis 1 sermon. And uh, this is the first pre-recorded sermon, if you will. Usually our podcasts are recorded live during our Sunday services, but however, because of the state of emergency in our state, in our locale, um, the churches have closed, and so therefore... What we are doing here is pre-recording these sermons as Holy Spirit gives them uh, for you to listen to on Sunday morning as you would do if you were sitting in the sanctuary there with us. So uh, I pray and suggest that you grab your Bibles and follow along just as if you were sitting in this sanctuary or if you were listening to this podcast at a later time during the week. It's hope that you'll grab your Bible so that you can really effectively understand what the Word of God is saying. Uh, we don't know how long this state of emergency will be in effect with churches being closed, but we do know that the church, which is the body of Christ, which is you and I, is not constrained by the physical limitations of a church building. Therefore, even though our church buildings may be closed, we, the body of Christ, you and I, we are not closed and we can still worship and fellowship together and listen to the word of God wherever we might be. We're in a war against this coronavirus, as you know, so it certainly is not a time to be falling away from God and falling apart from uh, one another, but it's a time for us to bind together and to really get into the Word of God and listen to the call and the words of His Holy Spirit. The war against this coronavirus is not just a war involving medicinal strategies, but it is also a spiritual strategy and a spiritual warfare that's needed in the form of prayer and us being on one accord. We had a wonderful worldwide prayer time on Saturday at 7 p.m., and I hope that in your own little um, circle of influence that you were able to join together with someone and, uh, and pray together at the appointed time so that this way we were, in effect, covering the entire earth for at least 24 hours in prayer. And interesting that... Um, Today, Sunday, has been declared a national day of prayer. So here we have uh, two days of prayer back to back, and we can certainly use the time to come against this nasty coronavirus. The challenge that we as Christians have today, and coming together as one in the body of Christ, is that there are still many that just simply don't believe. In 2018, there was a Pew Research Center uh, study, and there they polled a growing group in America that is called, quote, the Religious Nuns, okay? And again, that group is called the Religious Nuns, that's N-O-N-E-S, N-O-N-E-S, the Religious Nuns, close quote, as according to the 2018 Pew Research Center. And um, their report indicates that this group describes themselves as, quote, nothing in particular, when asked if they identify with a specific religious group. So they simply say they don't identify with anything or nothing in particular. The report indicates that a large number are ex-Christians, and most are under the age of 35. Pew asked a representative sample uh, of these religious nuns why they now reject any religious affiliation. Well, what do you think is the reason young Christians uh, leave the faith? The answer lies in a prior 2016 Pew Research Center survey 
which in that survey they allowed the respondents or those who were asked to answer in their own words rather than select from a group of multiple choice answers. And in this study, most quote-unquote nuns said that they no longer identified with a religious group because they no longer believed it was true. And the vast majority of these religious nuns, 78%, say they were raised as a member of a particular religion before shedding their religious identity in adulthood. Okay, so they were part of some organized religion before they gave up on their and don't have any religious identity uh, later on in, in life as an adult. When they were asked why they didn't believe, many said their views about God had quote-unquote evolved. Okay, their views about God had evolved, and that some reported having a crisis of faith. Their specific explanations included some of the following statements. Quote, learning about evolution when I went away to college. That was something that impacted their decisions to, to leave religion. Religion is the opiate or the drug of the people. Another answer they gave was rational thought makes religion simply go out the window. They also said lack of any sort of scientific or specific evidence of a creator. Interesting. Lack of any sort of scientific or specific evidence of a creator. Another answer they gave was, I just realized somewhere along the line that I just didn't really believe it. They went on to also say, I'm doing a lot more learning, studying, and kind of making decisions myself rather than listening to someone else. The data from this 2016 study may explain why ex-Christians question a lot of religious teaching, as reported in the 2018 study. The teaching uh, they, they, uh, the teaching they questioned seems to be about the existence of God. Okay, Simply put, they seem to question the existence of God. And this is consistent with the explanations offered by ex-Christians in a variety of other recent studies. When Christians walk away from the faith, more often than not, it's due to some form of intellectual skepticism or wanting to live life on their own terms and not God's. They get to the point where they think that through intellectual discussion and philosophizing that they know what's best and they want to simply live life on their own terms, not God's. Ex-Christians often describe religions, religious beliefs as being blind or unreasonable. See, so we see this as a trend and we notice that um, the, 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 the church doors uh, uh, don't seem to, to close and Churches are not filled with as many people as they were at one time. Now, bearing this report in mind, do you think that there is a feeling among many people that God is unimportant? You think that many people feel that God is unimportant? This morning or yesterday when you're out and about and in the stores and considering the kind of uh, fever shopping that was going on, you know, did you, did you notice anyone that seemed to be thinking about God? <laughs> Obviously, when you're looking for toilet paper and, and, and hand sanitizer, then uh, most people are not thinking about God, and they certainly probably weren't praying that they would find any. You notice when you're out and about, even during the rest of the week, that people are driving and people are going out for a walk, and they're just kind of doing business as usual and no thought about what about tomorrow, what about the rest of my life, or what about eternity. Do you see any sense of expectancy, expectancy concern, 
Or was it simply in the lives of most people, business as usual? Nothing new, just another day, same old same. Man has a way of choosing what he wants to do and thinks that he should be totally in charge. But the word of God tells us something different. You get up in the morning and you say, well, this is what my plan for the day is or for next week. And you think that you are totally in charge of what you want to do. The word of God speaks a little differently, though. Why don't we turn and if you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs 16. Proverbs chapter 16. Praise the living God. Proverbs chapter 16. And starting with verse number 1. Proverbs 16, verse number 1. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone that is proud in heart, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. A man's heart devises his way. But the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So in other words, we go about planning or what we think we would like to do or what we think we should be doing. But the bottom line is if you are a child of God and you're trusting in God and you're calling on him on a daily basis or even a moment to moment to basis to, to guide what you say, guide what you think, to guide what you do, then you're letting God actually work your path. You're letting God guide your path, and direct the steps that you shall take. I know there have been plenty of times over the years that I thought this is what I wanted to do and, and this is what I planned to do and so on, but the bottom line is that I always said in my heart, Lord, this is what I think I need to do. This is where I need, I think I need, I need to go. But Heavenly Father, you direct my steps. Holy Spirit, guide me. If this is not where you want me to be, this, this is not where you want me to go, then Lord, tell me what I should do. Guide my path. Guide my path. Man has a way of planning and plotting his way in life, but if you are a believer, God should be directing your path. But for the non-believer, there can be a different destiny. If they're a non-believer, there can be a different destiny. Let's go to Luke 17. Book of Luke, chapter 17. Praise God. And we're going to just go down to Verse number 26. Luke 17, verse 26. And as it weighs in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they did drink, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into his ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. 
So here we see in both these cases that in the days of Noah, man was out doing his own thing and, and nothing was new. They were getting married, drinking, eating, and so on like that. And then all of a sudden, the rains came, the flood came, and destroyed them all. Well, the same thing is that if we are not careful here, we will see that uh, um, the, the same fates can be upon us. When Jesus returns, you know, the word of God says that no man knows when he's going to return. As a matter of fact, the word of God says even Jesus doesn't know when the Father will tell him to return. See, but we just kind of go through life devising our own way, planning our own way, without thinking about what is it that can happen spiritually. What if Jesus did return? What if those times, as in the days of Noah, were to come upon us now? You see, there's a risk in just going on as if God doesn't exist or has no bearing on your personal life. There's a risk to that. And as we see, that was how it was in the days of Noah. There's nothing new. It's the same old thing. And then the rains came unexpectedly. We go through life on a daily basis. As was mentioned there in the Bible, we have our kids getting married. We grow and, and those are pass on. You know, you, you get a new job. You're hired. Some may lose a job. You're fired. We go shopping. The same old same. But what if the rain suddenly came? Things in this land have indeed changed, same as they did in times of old. You see things in this country going in a different direction. And uh, if you were younger, uh, you certainly see how things, when you were younger, you see how things were done differently. If you have any age to you right now, you see even the things as far as church is concerned or, or the belief in God has certainly changed. There's a different temperature, if you will, in this country. Man has become godless more and more. They want God out of the picture. They don't want God to be discussed. They want the Ten Commandments taken down. Or, uh, you know, there's, there's more and more quote-unquote religious persecution out there. So man in this country is kind of doing his own thing, and they want, kind of want God out of the picture. Well, this can be a dangerous thing. As, it, as we know, this happened before. Let us go again to the Word of God. And look at the trend that has developed over the millennia. Let's go to Genesis uh, chapter 4. Genesis 4. You know, it's even, it seems like today it's become unpopular to be called a Christian or to proclaim that you are a Christian. Boy, but how dangerous can that be for us who refuse to call out God for who he is and who he is to us. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. Underline in your Bibles there, then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. So we see here during that initial uh, time there where Cain slew Abel and so forth and man was getting away from God. It says here at this point in time, uh, in verse 26, and to Seth, to him also, uh, born, was born a son, he called his name Enos, and then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. So here we see here that man suddenly, all as well, I won't say suddenly, but over time, man began to call upon God again. Became, they became more conscious of God. And then we see in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 1, okay, all right, so we see after the fall, after the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, 
okay, the slaying of uh, 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 when Cain slew Abel, and then we see here that when uh, when Enos uh, was born, men began to worship God, calling on God again. So then we see in Genesis 6 something happened. Genesis 6, verse number 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, that they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man in the earth. Repented the Lord that he had made man in the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. Then, and, and the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So we see there now that while man started to call on God again, back with Enos, Enos, then man began to sin quite a bit. It says there in verse 11, the earth was also corrupt and the earth was filled with violence. We see today in this earth, in this time, there's so much corruption going on. You don't know who to believe when you hear something on the news. We see here that there is violence. It seems like, like, like man is going nuts, it almost seems. Like, like these are uncontrollable times. You kind of see a repetition here again, where many times we as Christians may figure, gee whiz, where is this all heading? You know, you kind of feel like there's a, a rubber band in between your hands, and you're, you're pulling this rubber band in, equal, um, in opposite directions, and the rubber band is getting tighter and tighter, and you know that eventually the rubber band is going to snap. You kind of feel like this is what's going on today in our society here. Things are getting more and more out of hand and more and more crazy. So, so God said he decided that he was going to destroy mankind. We then see in Genesis number 7, Genesis chapter 7. Okay, now it said pre previous to that, it said that, that Noah uh, walked with God and that he had found favor with God. Now we see in chapter 7, verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Noah... Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. A very clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and female, and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth. Forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. 
And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him to do. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. So we see here that Noah did all that he, that God told him to do. And then the water started coming. God told Noah to build this ark. And there wasn't any questioning, by the way. You know, and, and uh, um, in this day, Noah lived in a, um, a, a landlocked area. There was no sea nearby, you know. And he was probably wondering, well, gee whiz, gee whiz, where are these rains going to come from? But Noah trusted God. And he was faithful to God. So he simply did what God called him to do. And you see here that the waters came. And then picking up in verse number 11, we see in the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rains was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth the sons of Noah and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast of his kind, and all the, bat, all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God has commanded them, and the Lord shut him in. Okay, underline that part there, please. And the Lord shut him in. In other words, at that point in time, Noah had accomplished what God had wanted him to do. So God said, okay, now it's time to close the door. So you see, as long as we follow God, regardless of what may happen around us, we will also be sustained, even and if the rains come. So no matter what is going on in your life, you will find always, if you are a child of God, you're a Christian, and you're one that's uh, steeped in the Holy Spirit, and you're Holy Spirit filled, and you try your best to follow the unction of the Holy Spirit. You may find at work, in school, or wherever you might be, in the community, in your neighborhood, that those that are doing things that are counter to what God would have you to do, or what God says should be done in his word. But how bold are we to stand up and do what we know that God is calling us to do? There's always going to be someone around you that is not living in accordance with God's word. But how bold are you to, to stick to what God wants you to do? Because you never know if and when the rains are going to come. So Noah entered into the ark there and it said that God closed the door. Did you know that the ark is a type of Jesus Christ? We all know that the story of Noah here is dealing a lot with this ark. But did you know that in scripture the ark is a type of Jesus Christ? By entering the ark, Noah ensured the physical survival of himself and his family. When he entered into saving faith through Jesus, as stated in John 10, verse 9, okay, when we enter into saving faith through Jesus, we ensure our spiritual survival through eternal life with Jesus Christ. When the destruction of the world was coming, God called out to Noah, come into the ark, Genesis 7, 1. When, when, when he entered in, God called out to Noah. When the destruction of the world was coming, I should say, God called out to Noah, come into the ark. God was with Noah and his family throughout that frightening year-long ordeal and protected and comforted them. 
And I say year long because if you read the scriptures and look at the timing there uh, carefully, you'll see that, you know, it's common, common uh, belief and knowledge and in a, as a matter of conversation that we say, you know, that for 40 days and nights it rained, but that was how long it rained, okay? But the earth was covered and Noah was in that ark for a year. So we see here that Noah was obedient to God. God protected him, called him into the ark and protected them and comforted them and sustained them for that whole time they were in the ark. So in a similar fashion, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God, in the person of the Holy Spirit, also comforts and protects us. Okay? So if Jesus is, Jesus is a type of the ark in Scripture, when God calls us to him, and we, after going through our lives without God, and we may have been struggling and so on, we finally say, okay, Lord, I surrender. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Take control, Lord Jesus, because I've tried, excuse me, I've tried to do it for so long, and I just cannot seem to turn things around. Nothing is new. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come into my life. I surrender my life to you. This is you, in essence, going into the ark. You're entering into the ark. So he is indeed your protection and so forth. The ark had only one door through which Noah had to enter in order to be saved from the flood. Likewise, salvation in Jesus has only one door. According to John 10.9, Jesus is the only way. We enter in it to Jesus. We enter into Jesus by faith in Jesus once and for all time. Sacrificial death on the cross and his bodily resurrection three days later. What was done by Jesus on the cross does not need to be done again. It was once and for all. It was final. Once you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you benefit by the work that Jesus did in the, on the cross. And what Jesus did on the cross cannot be reversed. It's, it's as simple as that. You enter into the ark, the covering of Jesus Christ. Finally, after Noah entered the ark, God himself was the one that closed the door, as we saw in Genesis 7, verse 16. Those people that were still outside, those people who were outside the ark, who chose not to enter the ark's door, were left to face the destructive force of the Lord. And today, we have only this one life to enter into Christ's door of salvation. But there are many that are still outside of the door. Outside of the ark. There are many still that are outside of Jesus Christ. And those that are outside of Jesus Christ, you know, I always say that I feel badly for those that do not yet know the Lord, you know. And you could see that again going back to the shopping in the stores with all this coronavirus going on. You can literally see the fear in some of the eyes of those people. You can see the panic that's there, you know. While you and I as Christians and believers in Jesus Christ, knowing that God will help us and protect us and watch over us, we may go into the stores to, to buy the things, the necessities of life that we have. But when my wife and I were in there just yesterday, you know, we did, do not have and did not have that feeling of sheer panic, of, of, of fear that I see in, in the eyes of some of those people, you know. And if we are, are born-again believers, then we also should not have that fear. There may not be hand sanitizer there for me to bring home, but I believe and I trust God that he will provide a way. If I don't get the hand sanitizer, God will still protect me from this coronavirus. Okay, I believe in doing what we need to do. But the thing about it is that if the world around us doesn't rise up to meet our particular need, you know, the shelves being bare and so forth, okay, <laughs> The things on those shelves are not the sustainer or provider of life. God is. 
And this is where our trust should be. So when we get into the ark of Jesus Christ, all we need to do is to let God close us in and let him surround us with his Holy Spirit and know that God is going to care for us and to also sustain us. But it's the people that are outside that don't have that, um, what can I say, uh, those people outside of the ark or those who choose not to enter into the ark of Jesus Christ or to, uh, 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 to select Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're the ones that have all of this fear because they just don't know the, um, the pleasure and the relief of being in Jesus Christ, being in God and knowing that God will take care of them. So those that were left outside of the ark in Noah's day, they were destroyed. They didn't benefit from what God had to offer, and the flood came and destroyed them. And as I said, today we have some of the same things going on. You go to Genesis 7, continuing in Genesis 7, and go to verse number 17. And the flood was 40 days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increasingly greatly upon the earth. And the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man. All in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land, died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive. Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the ark a hundred and fifty days. One hundred and fifty days. Amen. So you see, while everything was underwater, Noah and family floated on the water. Again, picture that. Everything else was underwater, but here Noah and his family in this ark. Noah and his family in this ark. They floated on the water. They were not below the surface. They were above the surface. They were on the surface of the water. Because they were in the ark, they were above the problem, which was the flood. All right, let me say that again. Because they were in the ark, they were above the problem, which was the flood. And the same thing it is in our lives. You know, many times when you have something really, really troubling going on in your life, and you've all heard the expression, you know, gee, I feel like I'm just drowning in this problem. You know, oh, gee whiz, I'm just barely treading water, you know, to make it through this problem or this situation. You see, when we have Jesus in our life and when we are in Jesus in the ark, then God will make us rise above the problem. Whatever that problem or situation is in your life, God, with you being in the ark of Jesus, you will rise above the problem. You will not be drowned in the quote-unquote flood of life you will not be drowned by the circumstances of life you know you know and and, and the thing about it is that jesus will always sustain you and get you to the point where you are floating on top of whatever the issues are you know you've heard me talk many times about the time i worked for an engineering firm and and uh, they were giving out pink slips and i just wasn't wasn't worried about it and 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 they asked me why weren't you worried and i so one of the fellows who was asking me, I said, well, how much time do you have? Let's go to lunch and we'll talk about it. And I told him why I wasn't worried about it, because Jesus, I told him about Jesus and so on like that. And, and uh, that God always carries me through and always has carried me through and will carry me through, through right now. 
And I never did get a pink slip. I stayed on that, that, with that company until I was ready to move on from other things when God guided me and told me when it was time to move. But the point that I'm making is that while everyone else around you, things may be going on, helter skelter, if you are in the ark of Jesus, if you know Jesus as, as Lord and Savior, then, then He will indeed protect you from things that are going on around you. When you are experiencing the floods of life, if you've been obedient to God, you will rise above the flood. Now we know Jesus will return, but things can get challenging for us while we are waiting for Jesus. Okay, while we're waiting for Jesus, things can be challenging. Uh, go to chapter 8, okay, Genesis 8, verse number 1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the hundred and fifty days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventh day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month, in the tenth, uh, in the tenth month, in the tenth month on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And she returned unto him into the ark for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her in and pulled her into him into the ark. And he stayed yet another seven days. And again, he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him in the evening and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. And it came to pass in the six hundredth and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried, was the earth dried. Noah had patience and waited on God to bring him to the place of dry land. So it is with us as we are experiencing the floods of life. If you know the Lord and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you've entered into that ark of Jesus, as you are navigating the floods, the challenges of your time, work, school, community, uh, family, uh, a relationship, whatever it is that's going on, if you are in the ark of Jesus Christ and you have his covering, then God will sustain you through that time. God will sustain your time. He will keep you afloat. He will keep you afloat during that whole time when you're dealing with the issues of life. You shall not drown. You shall not go, go under. You shall not be destroyed because God will sustain you. And then as long as you're patient and waiting on God, he will eventually, eventually bring you to that place of dry land in your life. That is when you will also experience that, gee whiz, I am, I am settled. The issue that I have is gone. God has dealt with it. God has brought me through. 
the situation, the person in my life that was giving me such a, such a difficulty, that has been managed, it's been handled, because now I am no longer um, uh, 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 even just, just uh, 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 gliding and coasting on these troubled waters, but now my feet, my footing, my feet are on dry ground. You have to be patient. You have to be patient in times of difficulty until God brings us to our dry lands. We can't take things for granted in this life, and we can't be complacent. During this season of life we are, we are living in, we never know when the rains might come. So the secret here is to remember that God is your all in all. God is your everything. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. If Jesus, if you don't know Jesus yet, then I urge you to, to, to give yourself to the Lord. Ask the Lord to forgive you of all of your sins. Repent of those sins. And, and knowing that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God and that Jesus died for your sins, confess him as your Lord and Savior and, and, and take him into your life and you enter into the ark of Jesus. I guarantee you that if you can see the Lord and and, and, and don't take so many things for granted because while you may awake tomorrow and go about your business, you have no idea what may happen before the end of the day or, for that matter, what may happen before you get to your destination. Amen? So, as in the days of Noah, let's not be the same way man was back then. Let's always be reliant on God. Be aware of God. Enter into God's perfect rest and take him into your life, and let him, in turn, lead your life. I pray that this message was a blessing to you. And now, I'd like to close, and I will say to you that these messages, again, will be are, um, pre-recorded, and they will be on our podcast, our website, uh, in time for your Sunday morning reading. And if your church is also closed, or if for any reason that you're at home, I pray that you will um, go to the website, Play the podcast, grab your Bible, and just simply read on along as though you were right there with us in church. So praise God. God bless you. Be with you. And remember that Jesus is indeed Lord.